the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, March the 30th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on March 30, 1981, President Ronald Reagan was shot. He was seriously injured outside of Washington, D.C. hotel. He was shot by John Hinckley. Hinckley was later found to have severe mental issues. Today in 1822, and Reagan recovered nicely, as we all know. Today in 1822, Florida became a United States territory. Today in 1842, Dr. Crawford Long of Jefferson, Georgia, he was the first doctor to ever use ether as an anesthetic. He used it during an operation to remove a patient's neck tumor. Today in 1867, U.S. Secretary of State William Seward reached an agreement with Russia to purchase the territory of Alaska. He offered Russia $7.2 million. His deal was so ridiculed across the country and in Washington, D.C., that that purchase became known as Seward's Folly. However, old Billy Seward had the last laugh, didn't he? We all know that the resources in Alaska are probably worth a whole lot more than $7.2 million. Today in 1870, the 15th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which prohibited denying citizens the right to vote and hold office on the basis of race, that was declared in effect. And today in 2009, President Barack Obama asserted unprecedented government control over the auto industry. He rejected turnaround plans that had been presented to the government by General Motors and Chrysler, pushing them toward the possibility of bankruptcy. Today in 2010, President Barack Obama again signed a single measure sealing his health care agenda, his Obamacare, and making the government the primary lender to students for student loans, cutting out the banks, cutting them completely out of the process. Yesterday I mentioned that this is Holy Week. I think most of us, all of us are aware of that. On Sunday we remembered and celebrated in churches across America and around the world, Palm Sunday, Jesus' triumphant entrance into Jerusalem. Yesterday I talked a little bit about what Jesus did on Monday of this Holy Week. I told you we'd kind of keep track of what he did this week. Of course, we know what happened on the weekend, the coming weekend. They thought they had killed him, but they were wrong. Hours later, they found he wasn't dead, but he was risen from the dead. But during the week, he did some interesting things that I think there's there's something that could be drawn from just following Jesus on this last week of his human life, so to speak. He was and is God, but he was also man for this period of time. 
But what he did on Tuesday, today, back then, he left Bethany. He had spent the night last night in Bethany. He left Bethany. He went back to that fig tree that he had cursed yesterday. He looked at it, and it was all withered. He gave a teaching on faith. Then he possessed the temple, its precincts. He confounded and put per, pronounced some woes on some of his enemies, the enemies of what would become the cross, the salvation, the enemies of God. He was very direct, straight talk, very direct. He left the city on his way out of there, back to Bethany. He gave the what we call the Olivet Discourse. And while Jesus was traveling back to Bethany to spend the night there again tonight, Judas began bargaining with Sanhedrin to betray Jesus. Tonight, Jesus spent the night in Bethany again. Where do we get all of this? Well, it's from today's itinerary of what Jesus did. It's from Matthew chapter 21, verse 20, Mark 11, 20. Luke 20, 36, and John 20, 12, 20. That's where we got it. It wasn't my research. It's just there in the Bible. Tomorrow we'll revisit Jesus' itinerary, but this is probably one of the most important weeks, and certainly this weekend the most important event in hum all of human history. The birth of Christ in Bethlehem and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead on Easter Sunday morning. I want to talk to you a little bit about the battle, the evil <laughs> that's going on in our world today. It was going on in Jesus' day for sure. We'll see more of that as we progress through this week. And, and then on Friday, talk a little bit about Easter and the resurrection. Evil was crushed because of Christ's resurrection. But evil is at work. It will finally be cast, he, Satan, into the lake of fire. But there is evil in the world, and it's real. And it works through people, sometimes knowingly, sometimes they don't know. They're being used by evil forces. But nonetheless, evil is in our world today, and we must be aware of it. We must, we must be informed. I want to thank you for your support of this ministry. So many of you write to us and your notes and, and all, and thank you so much. You don't need to write a note. You don't feel obligated to do so. I look at all the notes. I read them all, in fact. Some of them are long. Some of them are very short. But thank you, and thank you for your generous support. Many of you express a desire. You wish you could do more to help the ministry. And I would in, and thank you, and I appreciate that spirit. Some of you are able to do more, and you do, and I thank you for that as well. But just do what you can and what you feel God would have you to do with what you have available to you. And that'll, that's all we want, is just for you to do what the Lord directs you to do in regards to this ministry. And we're doing the same thing. I'm addressing the issues every day. We originate live. We're addressing the issues every day that we think are important, and we think that people should be informed about. So we'll continue that today, but thank you for your support and thank you for allowing us to be on the air today and to say what we're about to say. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98.
0009, Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says yes to the American Revolution, Abraham Lincoln, the Cold War. Critical race theory? No, absolutely no, the governor says. He's pretty irate about it. He's looked into it enough to know how how deadly this critical race theory is in the culture. He says there's no room, I'm quoting the governor of Florida, there is no room in classrooms for anything like critical race theory. And unlike too many politicians, we all know and love, and they come around and put their arm around us and hug our children, and we love them, but they go back to Washington, D.C., and they don't do what they promised. And if we ask them, they say, well, it's complicated. You don't understand. But this guy, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who would make a great president if he would run, he's actually taking bold action. He's not just expressing outrage. Ted Cruz called out his colleagues just the other day. He said, why do you guys get so upset over these issues? You pound your fist on your lectern and you get in front of the camera. And Ted Cruz says, this is all theater. You're not going to do anything about this. You're just going to complain and show outrage and then go back to your life. And that's exactly the truth. That's what many of them do. Not Ron DeSantis. He's coming out bold. Associated Press reports that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has outlined what he thought were acceptable topics to be taught in all of the schools in Florida in a civics curricula and what is not to be taught. Associated Press isn't very happy about it. They're restrained, but they're not happy. They explain that critical race theory examines the way race and racism influences politics, culture, and the law. That's a lie. That's not true. It's true that they published it, but no, it doesn't. It misrepresents race and racism, and it's being used as a so-called progressive tool for indoctrination. That's what it is. They're covering, just like the rest of the press, they're just a little more restrained. Associated Press has consistently reported on CRT, critical race theory, in ways that suggest to the reader that anyone who does not buy into this theory is a racist. And they've got us right where they want us, the press and the cultural Marxists. And that's what this is really about. Last fall, a couple of months before the presidential election, Associated Press used their power of the press to drive the message home by noting that President Trump had, quote, asked his Office of Management and Budget to crack down on federal agencies, anti-racism training sessions, calling them divisive and anti-American propaganda. The secular response to all of that, particularly the media, but the politicians as well, the Nancy Pelosi's, the Chuck Schumer's that are in power now in America, and Joe Biden when he's not home resting, what they're doing is casting anyone who disagrees with critical race theory or any other cockamamie far-left agenda as racist or anti-American. If you don't support critical race theory, you're a racist. Associated Press affirmed that, I'm quoting from them yesterday, Joe Biden believes this there is systemic racism in America, implying again that those who do not believe the, mer- the narrative of critical race theory are the problem. They are the racists. But that's not true. 
and to better understand what's all going on in, around us in the culture and in your school, in your government, in the military, and God help us in some churches. This, it's a lie from hell, and it's not about racism. It's not even about black or brown people. It's about a tool, an agenda to divide the American people and to anger the American people toward the founding uh, documents, the founding principles of this nation. And I would say further against righteousness and the word of God. Nobody believes in racist much, racism. I mean, I know there are racists. They just hate people because of the color color of their skin. I didn't grow up around any of those kind of people. I don't even really, I, I don't know if I know any of them now. And if I do, I just avoid them. I understand there are some that are, but most of us are not racist. We love people. I mean, we like them. We don't like the bad people. It doesn't matter what the color of their skin is. I mean, this is just old me talking out here, but I don't think I'm the only one that believes this. If somebody's a bad person, we tend to avoid them. It's not about the color of their skin. It's about their actions. And if somebody is a good person, we tend to like to be around them. Again, it doesn't matter what the color of their skin is. I think that's the majority of people, at least in America. I don't know about the rest of the world, but I would guess that could be so. But these people have redefined this. And Governor DeSantis is taking a step. He's taking action. He's outlined what he thinks is the acceptable topics to be taught in the state civics curricula in one of the most populated states in America. That would be, in his words, he said, why don't we teach American history, (laughs) true American history? He's getting a $106 million boost thanks to pandemic-related federal funding directed at states because he has managed to state so well in Florida, not perfectly, but so well during this pandemic, it's thriving economically. And the money is available from the federal government, this $106 million for a boost, because some of the states are bankrupt because they're under far-left governors. And the, the blue governors, the, the Democrat, the far-left governors that are in states are generally upside down. There, there's some exceptions, but for the most part, they're deeply in debt, not because of the pandemic, but because of mismanagement over a long period of time leading up to this pandemic. This pandemic has been horrible financially, culturally, in, in many ways, all of these ways. But they're not in trouble because of that. They were already in trouble. Now they're using that with a Democrat president to funnel billions of dollars into these and millions of dollars into these cities and states to bail them out. So DeSantis says, we don't need to be bailed out. He said, we're doing great. So he's, he's going to take that money and he's going to institute this civics uh, class and he's going, uh, classes in, in, in schools all throughout uh, Florida. And he's going to make it mandatory. But the people that get on board with this, he's going to, um, <laughs> he, he's going to incent the teachers. It's going to give them a bonus. In fact, he's proposing that teachers that get credentialed to teach civics, that is actual American history, will get a $3,000 bonus. He's 
allocated about $16.5 million that will be devoted to training teachers and principals in civics education. And it'll, he'll have people that are actual historians teaching them and going through it with them. Another $17 million will be targeted for developing civics curricula with foundational concepts and not, these are his words, unsanctioned narratives like critical race theory. He told the press day before yesterday, there's no room in classrooms for things like critical race theory. He told the press, no matter if your family came on the Mayflower or you became a naturalized citizen, these principles, these founding principles, belong to you. But that's not acceptable. This morning, they begin to appear about two hours ago, while I was doing a little research for this program this morning, the headlines are starting. If you go to Drudge Report, the biggest headline there, it's about two inches high, is an attack on guess who? Yep, Governor DeSantis. Oh, it's not really about his new plan for ed- education in the in the city in the state. They're saying he's been lying all along. There's more deaths than he counted in Florida from the pandemic. They're trying to equate him with Governor Cuomo, who is a disaster. In New York, that has begun within the last two hours in America. These headlines, and I did a quick search, just real quick. I didn't read the stories, but I looked at the headlines. I didn't have time to read them. But they're out there, and each headline is adjusted a little bit, but it's the same narrative, the same story. It's out there. Here's Here's what one story said, the first two paragraphs. New research published in the American Journal of Public Health argues that Florida is undercounting the number of people who died from COVID-19 by thousands of cases, casting new doubt on claims that Governor Ron DeSantis navigated the coronavirus pandemic successfully. Conservatives have celebrated, the next paragraph, DeSantis for his handling of the pandemic, which has killed more than 30,000 residents in his state. Critics of the combative government Governor, meanwhile, say that many of these deaths would have been prevented if he had listened more diligently to the health experts like Dr. Fauci. DeSantis resisted lockdowns, they say. He downplayed masks and has made it increasingly difficult for localities to institute public health measures of their own. In other words, what they're saying is he's taken leadership and he believes in something. They disagree and they're trying to destroy him. What is this all about? What is driving this? It certainly isn't a concern about racism. In fact, Tucker Carlson said last night on the air on Fox, he said, and I'm quoting him, he said, no one at CNN really cares about George Floyd. He's the, the trial that started in Minneapolis, as you know. He's the man who, who died and the police officer had the, his knee on his on his head or neck. But Tucker Carlson said, quote, no one at CNN cares about George Floyd. Their job is to make Americans hate each other. When America was founded, Daniel Webster in The Next Generation, he wrote something that is, I think, needs to be repeated. He said, finally, this is not Noah Webster, the the dictionary guy and the guy that started public education. This is could be a distant relative. They're not sure. But anyway, it's a different Webster, and it's a, the next generation. Daniel Webster lived from 1782 to 1852. But he was a 
an outstanding senator and representative in, in the House and in the Senate from Massachusetts. He said this, he said, quote, Finally, let us not forget the religious character of our origin. Our fathers were brought hither by the high veneration for the Christian religion. They journeyed by its light and labored in its hope. They sought to incorporate its principles with the elements of their society and diffuse its influence through all their institutions. Now, underline that. Through all their institutions, they diffused the principles of Christianity, Judeo-Christianity. He said, through all their institutions, civil, political, and literary. The Frankfurt School was created by money, big money, in particular from a guy in Argentina, an atheist who was a Marxist. The growing threat of Hitler's Germany, however, eventually drove the school out of Europe, out of Frankfurt, Germany. The members fled to the United States because they were afraid of Hitler. They took positions in major universities. In 1934, the Frankfurt School was reborn at Columbia University. The Frankfurt School was based on advancing the ideas of Karl Marx and Frederick Engels, Marxism. Universities became the institutions from which the school intended to launch its cultural transformation. Turning away after they fled to America for safety, because America provided safety for them, even though they didn't believe in the founding principles of our country, they still could find freedom here because the founding principles of our country work, because they're Judeo-Christian values not born out of the human intellect. The school began its long-term project based on subverting institutions like the family, education, media, sex, popular culture. The school spread its radical ideas to campuses across the United States, starting in the 1930s and beyond. They sort of moved Frederick Engels out of the picture and moved in Sigmund Freud because they found that Marxism and Freudism combined was the revolutionary ticket that they were looking for to bring down and so-called, they use the word transform, Barack Obama used the word remake, Western civilization in the mid-20th century. In the 1930s, a guy named Horkmeyer, he posed the question, who would replace the working class as the new vanguards of the Marxist revolution? It wasn't until the 1960s that a guy named Herbert Marcuse answered the question, he proposed a coalition of minorities. Keep that in mind. Social movements which railed against the establishment gave the school a practical vehicle to release its revolutionary plan into the mainstream. For more than 50 years, the ideas that came from this school, now based in Columbia University, not Frankfurt anymore, have established a profound effect on Western culture. The school advanced destructive, negative criticism of every sphere of life. It was designed not to help the blacks, the homosexuals, the underprivileged, the Hispanics, none of that. This school was designed and is designed to undermine Western civilization and to crush what they saw as an oppressive ruling class because America and the West has been blessed because we embraced Judeo-Christian values. The group continued their work. It's called Classic Marxism. That's what they call it. I call it something different. Paul, the apostle, would call it anathema. 
They intended their policies to spread, these are their words, spread like a virus. <laughs> Interesting. So critical was the Frankfurt School of Western Civilization, it would brand its analysis of all of this, they began calling this in the 60s, critical theory. Today, entire academic departments, humanities programs in the United States and Europe are dedicated to studying critical theory or its variants. Many of the students taught by the school in Columbia became teachers and professors themselves in the United States, who in turn taught another generation of teachers and professors, and so on. You get the picture. At Occidental College, where Barack Obama was once a student, their website to this day proudly boasts that their college, Occidental, currently instructs students, I'm reading from their website, in the principles of Marxism, psychoanalysis, the Frankfurt School, deconstruction, critical race studies, queer theory, feminist theory, post-colonial theory. Others educated by this Frankfurt School, all law, Columbia, found positions in the media and the government. The process of institutional, they call it entryism. In other words, we enter the society. We don't stand out here and just talk about it. We don't, like, pound our fist and outrage. How can you capitalists do this? No, we're going to infiltrate the culture, and we're going to bring down the culture, and we're going to bring down the principles upon which the culture was built. An Italian Marxist philosopher, communist politician, this Antonio Gramsci, he, ref he, was, he referred to this. He didn't make this up. Another guy did. It's kind of disputed who actually said this first. Uh, believe me, I've read all the arguments, or a lot of them. But Gramsci quoted this a lot. He would say, we must remain committed to the, quote, long march through the institutions. Pete Buttigieg, remember him, the gay guy who kept kissing his, quote, husband when he was running for president? He is now, he didn't lose, Biden beat him, of course. He, he, he lost, he didn't win. But his father was a well-known professor at, believe it or not, at Notre Dame. But his father was well-known for being a student of Gramsci. In fact, he had a Gramsci club, and he taught Gramsci um, his edition or his, um, his understanding of Marxism. That's what he was known for, Pete Buttigieg's father. He just died here about a, a year or so ago. So anyway, he would teach in his, all of his spare time this critical theory. Buttigieg is now the Secretary of Transportation in the Biden administration. That's how this, like a virus, creeps in into the culture. Keep in mind what Daniel Webster said. We, they infused our founders, they infused all of our institutions with the Judeo-Christian principles that gave cover, freedom, and liberty to everyone, whether they even believed in God in his principles or not. They had freedom of speech, freedom of of activity. They enjoyed the freedoms of America, so much so that they fled Germany and came here because they were afraid of Hitler, and they knew they could find safety here. But in the safety of what they sought in America, they are now and have been over the last several generations trying to destroy the very umbrella of safety and liberty and freedom that has protected them while they're doing it. That's why it's so confusing in our culture.
I have more to say, but I don't have any more time. Thank you so much for being with me today. We'll continue our conversation. We may talk a little bit more about this soon, but thanks for being with me. I'll see you tomorrow.